Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation.com.
the foundation. That is J-A-E-F dot foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times, that we currently live in today. As a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with 
on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are and no one hears We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Christian Checklist. We are talking about how we should start being methodical about our Christian believers' walk of faith. You see, just like people who work in very high-risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should be diligent that we have all our bases covered. It's often easy for us to get too comfortable in one part of our Christian walk and not really be stretched or develop in other areas of our Christian walk, which creates blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God, which means if you're going to battle, you want to make sure that you don't have everything on but the helmet of salvation. You want to make sure you have the breastplate of righteousness. You want to make sure your loins are guarded about with truth. You want to make sure 
you have the shoes of the gospel of peace. You want to make sure you have your shield of faith. You want to make sure that you are carrying your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You want to make sure that you are praying with all kinds of prayers and supplications in the spirit. So there's a reason as to why Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And as Christians, most of the times, I think we get too comfortable with areas where we have matured and don't really pay any attention to the other areas where we need to grow. So the Christian checklist is a tool we can use to do routine tune-ups in different areas of our believers' walk of faith. Paul reminds us, once again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, Paul talks about, he paints this picture of an athlete. He says, every athlete who goes into training <clears throat> conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wrath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. He says, therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships. I subdue it for the fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. So here we are, the seven muscles of Christianity. I believe are muscles that every, every believer must exercise regularly to be able to fight the good fight of faith. In fact, all these muscles, uh, the seven muscles of Christianity, you can now take um, every muscle in here and you can exercise the full armor of God within every muscle in here. Which means when you put on the full armor of God, which Paul talks about, talks about salvation, righteousness, truth, peace, faith, um, talks about sort of the spirit. Now, which is the word of God, there's another weapon. The Greek name is... Uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. So there's another weapon that he talks about. Most Christians actually think that um, that it ends that that it ends at the sword of the spirit. 
there is another, I think it's called a latch. There's another weapon that Paul has that talks about. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So this weapon in for so praying in the spirit is this weapon that sometimes was almost like even 10 foot at 10 feet long it's like it's 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 like a spear actually and sometimes what that would do is that it would help you uh think of like a very long spear and and they would put it at the back and sometimes it'll go anywhere from like six to ten feet actually. And so you kind of use it to stab. You you know, you you keep the enemy at bay. Right? So what, what I'm saying is that when you look at the seven muscles of Christianity, if you can exercise every muscle that is on here, you can exercise every muscle. In, on, on this list of uh, uh, within the seven masters of Christianity, you can exercise it with a full armor of God. Let's say if you're praying, you can pray around your salvation. And salvation, if you're already a Christian who's given your life to God, you don't have to. Salvation means more than just you know, booking your ticket to heaven. Salvation can also mean deliverance in other areas of life. So you see how you can pray in the context of salvation. You can pray in the context of righteousness and plead and make supplication saying, I am in right standing with you, God, on this issue. So Satan has no legal authority to tie me to this bondage. So now you are praying the, the armor of God. Basically, that's what I'm saying. So you can read the word of God as well and exercise the word of God through the different elements of the full armor of God. You can equip yourself with the word of God on your salvation, on your righteousness, on faith, on peace, on truth, praying in the spirit. So in all of these different muscles, you can actually exercise, you can work them out using the full armor of God. So think of it like if you go to the gym, for instance, if you're going to work out your legs, there's different equipments that you can use to work out your legs. You know, you can use the leg press, you can use uh, the leg curl, you can use the squat rack. So you can use different um, equipment to work out your legs, just like you can use different equipment to work out your chest, to work out your back. So likewise, when you're praying, you can pray different kinds of prayers within the context of the full armor of God, meaning you can put on the full armor of God within the context of prayer, that your prayers have put on the full armor of God. You know, for instance, 
if you're praying about righteousness and you're praying about um, your salvation, but you're not necessarily praying faith, your prayers will be hindered. Because it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And by faith, faith is you believe and then you speak. Uh, we'll get to that later on. But faith, if if you have no faith, if, you, if your prayers have no shield of faith in them, if you're not activating faith, if you're not praying faith within faith, so to say, um, your prayers are hindered. So you can take all of these muscles and use the full the, the, the different context within the armor of God to exercise these muscles, right? Meditation is what we're talking about. There, there are seven muscles of Christianity. Uh, well, that's how we've categorized them. Number one being the word of God. Number two, prayer and fasting. Number three, meditation. Number four, confession. Number five, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Number six, generosity. Number seven, writing, journaling, and remembrance. So we are looking at number three. That's what we've been talking about the last two episodes, meditation. So even within meditation, you, you can now exercise this muscle of meditation using all the different seven um, ammunitions, the seven weapons that you have within the full armor of God. So you should be meditating uh, not just about faith, the faith of God, that the life that you now live, you live by the faith of, of Jesus Christ. Um, you meditate on peace. You meditate on, on truth. You meditate on righteousness. You're meditating on salvation, redemption. Um, so there's different ways in which you can exercise this muscle using the tools that you have in the full armor of God. Meditation, once again, is, as we said in the last episode, the, the two scriptures that we have been really leaning on to capture the power of meditation has been Joshua chapter one, verse eight, and then Psalms chapter one, verses one to three. Uh, we've also used Psalms 119, which I would like for us to revisit again today. There's some really interesting things there and see where the spirit of God will lead us. Uh, there's also Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. And then I think that should give us enough ground to you know, that should be enough to ignite us on the power of meditation. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate, day and night and then he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water 
that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So we took this scripture and superimposed it on Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 to capture something that was very unique. Joshua chapter 1 8 says, this book of the law, this was God telling Joshua, giving him last minute instructions before they went into battle. He told him, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do a you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. And I said that if you look at where success and prosperity, prosperous and good success, bearing fruit, your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. All of these things that the world is seeking after come at the end of meditation. It's just an inevitable byproduct of meditation. But it's also interesting. It's not saying meditating on, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it says the context that it's telling you to meditate on is the word of God. It's not, it's not really saying that you can go meditate uh, this book by Einstein, uh, this book by the scientist or this book by this um, uh, businessman or businesswoman. Specifically, it's saying the prosperity and having good success in all affairs of your life. Whatsoever you do will prosper. You'll be successful in every dealing of the affairs of life, a prosperous marriage, a prosperous career, a prosperous uh, way in how to, you know, raising up your children, how to deal with your neighbors, your colleagues, your workmates, uh, just all around, things will go well for you. The ingredient I mean, uh, uh, what we must meditate upon is the word of God. That's what he tells us. And last episodes, I, I, I try to explain how uh, I spent some time explaining how meditating on the word of God can translate into um, success in the affairs of life. Because once you start to meditate in the Word of God, you're basically now meditating on God's point of view. You're tapping into, you basically, you've changed your point of view from man's point of view to God's point of view. Meditating on the Word of God also gives you access to divine wisdom because the scripture says, there's a spirit in man, and this is from Job chapter 32, I believe verse 8. There's a spirit in man, and it's the inspiration of the Almighty that gives him understanding. Meaning, the scripture also says, in, in Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 2, also says something very powerful, why you would want to meditate. This is Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, in Christ is hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
So if in Christ is hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, meaning in this word of God is hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, it means that the more you meditate on it, basically you have access to all the wisdom there is in this world and all the knowledge there is on this world. Now there is good, no there's different levels of knowledge, right? There's, it's, it's almost like saying, there's different ways to run a business, but some ways will not guarantee, you know, will not give you much success. That means you can access a certain kind of wisdom that guarantees that if you run your business in this way, you are guaranteed to win. You're guaranteed to build a profitable business. So when you meditate on the word of God, you essentially, you've moved up the realm of point of view, of understanding, and you're seated at God's table. That's basically, your, that becomes a new point of view. So you can see things that other people can't see. So that's how it translates into having success in everything you do in the affairs of life. Now, if I, I was listening to uh, a Jewish scholar, they were talking about the, the, the law the curriculum of law that is taught in schools in North America, there's two precepts. There's basically two, um, there's basically two oracles within the curriculum of law that are taught in North America. And the person who built, who came up basically with the initial curriculum of law derive both of these oracles, everything that governs how our legal system works. It was from the book of Exodus and Leviticus. And of course, because of the secular movements sweeping across and people trying to eliminate God from the foundation of everything, not understanding that our society, our society, all modern civilization has been built on the foundation of Judeo, Christian ethics is they they have now dropped uh, one of those curriculums and kind of you know they've changed it and, and and but there's one that they cannot get away from but basically our whole legal structure in North America is built and formulated out of the book of Exodus and Leviticus now it'll be interesting for you to understand is that the Word of God teaches you the fundamentals about life. The it gives you the foundation of understanding in every area of life. But once you understand the foundation, it's easy for you to build upon something that stands. You cannot, you cannot build a 100-story building without a strong foundation. So the water God really gives you that foundation of life. It's the best foundation. It's the foundation, the principles of God is the foundation that whether you're a businessman, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you are a politician, I wish they would, they would, they would operate through the lens of the water God, but that's a story for another day. Basically, how, how can you, because if you look through the Bible, you will not see the whole, you know, let's say the curriculum, the way it has now been built, 
you will not see its entirety in the book of Exodus and Leviticus. But what Exodus and Leviticus give you is the foundation of legal system, of justice. So you take that after you read that and understand and say, okay, this is how a legal system should be built. Then the inspiration of the Almighty will give you understanding and you'll be able to now tap into, into expounding and building upon the foundation of Christ. Paul also likes to talk about, you know, uh, not building upon another man's foundation. And that foundation is Christ. So once you establish, once you build your business upon biblical principles, it gives you room to exercise your imagination and chances are that whatever you will now build at the 10th floor, at the 20th floor, will be substantial and it will stand. But the reason as to why even today you can hear, like for instance, there's, there's a, a market crash that just happened within cryptocurrency exchange. This company uh, that was called FTX, it was a cryptocurrency exchange, whatever. And in a space of like 48 hours, uh, the value of cryptocurrencies on that platform, basically that platform uh, lost over, there was a drop of over $152 billion. In 48 hours, in less than three days, in about three days, this company filed for bankruptcy. But if you look at how fast this company rose, you know, versus how fast it came down, how can a company go up so, how can a company basically build up quickly up to the hundredth floor and then in just an instant that all comes coming down you know that topples down again there's a parable that jesus gave in all the gospels he said a wise man is one who built his house upon the rock and when the storm came and beat upon the house it did not fall you see jesus the word of god comes to give us principles it comes to lay the foundation once we have that foundation then we have something stable and solid to exercise our imagination so the point being that whether you're a doctor policeman officer president it doesn't matter what what your line of what what line what your line of duty is is if you meditate in the law of God day and night, whether you are in the military, it means that what that that eventually the byproduct of you meditating in the water God day and night is that you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. Your leaf will not wither, whatsoever you do will prosper. This is the power of meditation. This is the power of meditation. Now, the other thing that we did see is the psalmist of Psalms 119, who is believed to be David, spends pretty much, Psalms 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. He spends a hundred and 76 verses it has 176 verses 
most of those verses are about someone asking God to up to 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 give him insight, deep insight into the oracles of God. He's he's telling God, please open the seals of the scriptures for me. He's saying, I want understanding of your word. He's saying, please. He talks about meditation. He talks about meditation. He keeps talking about meditation to the point that in verse 97, he talks about, oh, how I love your law. Now, in these days, when this was written, when he was writing it, he used the word law. But right now, you can just replace the word law with the word of God. So that's how we're going to read this. Oh, how I love the word of God. He says, it is my meditation all day. It is through your commandments, through your instructions in your word, in the word of God. You have made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. He's saying, just because I meditate on your word, on your statutes, on your instructions, I now have more understanding than all my teachers. He's talking about meditation. And also, at the beginning of this chapter, it's very interesting as well, because, again, here's a guy who's trying to, he's saying in verse 15, He's saying, he says, I will meditate in your precepts and have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Again, meditation. Meditation, meditation. He comes down again. Um, he says, open my eyes that I will behold wondrous things out of your law. How are you going to open my eyes? Meditation opens your eyes. Because remember, we say that meditation takes the word of God from just information in your mind into revelation knowledge in your spirit. And then out of that, a revolution comes. Since the entrance of his word gives light, it brings light. The entrance of his word brings light. Meaning, meditation is that process of enabling his word to enter into your spirit. And then it will light up your spirit. It will light up your spirit. Meditation. Every, every, every couple of verses, this guy is talking about meditation. That is the power of meditation. We have to practice, exercise this muscle of meditation. It says at midnight. Wow. Talks about waking up in the morning, going to bed at night, meditating on the water God.
everything that you see you read about in in psalms 119 is 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 the posture that we need to have as christians which is a posture of the word of god not leaving our minds just wanting to get to a place where uh, day and night day and night day and night you're meditating on the word of god because you may not realize it but every there's a way in which you can also meditate on your fears so it's not that once you're meditating on the word of god that you can't be doing other things while you're meditating on the word of god no the same way you can be seated at your desk at work and you're thinking about something completely different at the back of your mind you're doing what you're doing but at the back of your mind in the subconscious you are just thinking about this thing and you're just wondering man how am i going to get through this you're meditating on your fear. You're meditating on something bad. You're something. You're meditating on on something that might not happen. Likewise, there's a way for us to. You know, you could be at the gym. You could be at work. You could be at the grocery store. When you're meditating on the Word of God, you're still massaging your spirit with the Word of God. Meditation is like spiritual massage. That's how you massage your spirit is through meditation man and 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 what happens is that it starts to flow into your soul realm and once your soul meditation is is the bridge between your soul and your spirit how does information flow from your spirit to your soul because the scripture says in in third john he says, Beloved, I pray above all that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So there's this aspect of for you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It means it's all tied to the prosperity of your soul. And meditation is what will give you soul prosperity. Because your, your, your mind cannot release follow-through actions that it doesn't agree with. It doesn't. But once you keep on massaging your mind, your soul, because Paul talks about be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. It's a continual process, renewing your mind. Meditation is how you renew your mind. Because every time you keep that way of doing things, that way of approaching life, every time you keep God's point of view in your mind, your mind eventually goes away from what it previously had as a way of doing something and it pivots to this, to this new alternative. And so the more you meditate, your mind is renewed. The more you meditate, the more you think about, oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in, in Christ. And you keep it, you keep just massaging it, massaging it, massaging it, massaging it. Uh, you can, you know, you can meditate, let's say, um, you, you're trying to come up with a business plan or, you're trying to come up, you have an idea, but you don't really know 
um, how, you know, like you don't know the next steps to take. There's a couple of scriptures you can meditate upon. You know, you can meditate on it is I that gives thee the power to make wealth, meaning he gives you ideas. Um, he gives you strategies and you're meditating on that. You say, okay, I have it within me. I have it within me. Or as it says, um, it says you have the action of the Holy one and you know, all things that's in first John chapter two, I believe verse 18. And it, it also talks about that the Holy spirit will teach us all things. He'll bring all things to our remembrance. He'll show us things to come. Again, meditation. And that's where you start to birth. That's how a revolution comes. Meditation is the link between information and revolution to, re to, to revelation to revolution. So another really good scripture that talks about the, 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 the power of meditation is Proverbs chapter four. It illustrates the power of meditation. It says Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 to 22 says, says, listen, son of mine, to what I say, listen carefully. I like this. Keep these thoughts ever in your mind let them not let them penetrate deep within your heart for they will mean real life for you and radiant health wow i'm sure many of you have heard them from this other translation says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. He says, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Wow. So the more you keep meditating on the word of God, like things are just birthed out of you. One of them being healing and health. So if you meditate on healing scriptures, you know, by his stripes, I was healed. Uh, as many as touched the hem of his garment, they were made whole. You know, he was, he has borne my griefs, carried my sorrows. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I was healed. If you meditate on the fact that the spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how it happens, but it happens. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. We do not know how a seed that you plant in the ground goes from a seed to corn, you know, 
But what do we do? We put the seed in the ground and we leave it there. And the seed meditates. And its form of meditation is germination. And certain things happen to it. And before we know it, it comes back above the ground. As corn. As a, as, as a stalk of corn. That's the same thing with meditation. I don't know what happens, but somehow if you meditate on the word of God, it goes into your spirit. It goes from your mind into your spirit. And then it turns things around. It changes. It, 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 it unlocks your mental capacity. It somehow it, it triggers the flow of life from the life of God in your spirit into your spirit. I don't know what happens, but all I know is that sometimes you just eat the corn. You know, you just, you know, we we don't have people sitting down and putting cameras under the ground just to see uh, for the whole six months how the seed goes from being cracked open, all the things that it interacts with within the soil, the nutrients and this and that. No, no, no. We put the seed in the ground at the end of no, three, four months, we come to harvest corn. That's what we do. And that's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a man who went out to sow seeds. So meditation allows the seeds that we have sown, the word of God that we have taken, to germinate. And what's also very interesting that you can see the whole process of meditation. Also, Paul talks about it there in, uh, I believe, 1 Corinthians 3. Or first, yeah, first Corinthians three. He talks about this whole concept of I have planted and Apollos has watered, but now God gives the increase. Yeah. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Well, did, did Paul plant, did, did Apollos water? What did Paul plant? In this case, you can think of planting as planting is the first time that you read something, the word of God. That's the first time you read it. You're planting it. A scripture about wisdom, a scripture about, you know, the scripture says, I am the Lord that teaches thee how to profit. Any situation that you want, that you're dealing with, like, there's a seed from the word of God that you can take. So Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. You do realize there's three processes there that have to happen before God gives the increase. Paul planted. Well, what did Apollos water with? He used the same thing. Basically, Paul came and gave him, Paul came and gave the word. Apollos came back and gave him the same word. He watered meditation, and then after that, God gave increase to what had been meditated upon, which means now the Spirit of God hovered over whatever you're meditating upon, and now when you say "Let there be light," light be. 
Isn't it interesting that at the beginning of creation, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. Hmm. What was that? Meditation. So when God said, there was two things that happened before that. It's not that God spoke and then this. No, no, no. The Spirit was hovering over the face of it. The Spirit of God was meditating. That's another way you can look at that. It says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. After enough meditation, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So sometimes as Christians, which becomes very powerful, which is a perfect segue to muscle number four, which is confession. What God was saying and God said that was a confession. But the confession came after meditation. Ah, I don't know if you hear me, man. The Spirit of God moved over the face of the water. It hovered. In, in, the, in, in Hebrew, the Spirit was hovering. It was brooding. It was like a mother chicken. Th think of a hen. It was sitting on the egg. It was brooding. There was a process of meditation. And then muscle number four, which will, which will be the next thing we're going to talk about, was activated. Because then God said, let there be light. But the speaking, the confession came after meditation. And this is one of the things that God has been dealing, de uh, uh, dealing with me on, which is many a times I'll just release confessions without meditation. The power is built up by meditation. Meditation builds up the pressure valve. Once the, the, the pressure valve is full, the power, the power, um, the pressure cooker is full, boom, then you can release a bold confession. Then you can now say, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established. But you cannot just say thou shalt decree a thing and shall be established out of an empty belly. No. You need to meditate. But sometimes I'm now getting to a point where even before I pray, even before I add a confession, like I first meditate on that water, God. I, I, I just I just let it be in my head. Let it be in my spirit. 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 And then once I feel like I'm about to pop, that's when I release a confession. That's when I hit a prayer. And you feel that it has more potency. It is more powerful. Be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. I pray above all that you will prosper and be enough, even as thy soul prospers. Meditation. Abide in me. Uh, meditation. Let's go to let's go to the book of John. I'm trying to show you scriptures that we have often read, but did not understand that he was talking about meditation. John chapter 15. He says, abide in me and I in you. John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. 
If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Oh, does that bring any um, recollection? Does that bring anything back to your mind? You remember what Psalms 1 verses 1 to 3 said? It said, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaf will not wither. Your leaf will not wither. You'll bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do will prosper. Isn't it interesting that in John chapter 4, in John chapter 15, he says, verse 6, he says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You remember, I just say that if you look at the beginning of Genesis, it says the spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. Right? It moved upon the face of the waters. It moved. It moved. It, it moved upon that moving upon is a form, is a type of meditation. It brooded upon. But then you come down here now. We're talking about John chapter fifteen. And 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 and, isn't it interesting that in verse seven it says, "If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you." Isn't it interesting that now for you to ask what you will and for it to be done unto you, it comes again after meditation. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's meditation. You're keeping his word in your mind, in your ears, in your eyes. This is real. And remember, we're not talking about yoga meditation. Yoga meditation and stretching, that that is uh that that that's not it. We're talking about biblical meditation, where you take a specific scripture on something you're dealing with, and you keep pondering it, pondering on it in your mind, and you keep bouncing it around in your mind, and as you do that, eventually. It will light up your spirit and it will trigger a specific decision or action for you to take. Because you, you, your spirit is where all the power of God. So first of all, there's two things that happen. In one scripture says, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Then in another one it says, but there's a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. So as I said before, the spirit of God is the candle that has light on it. Your spirit does not have light. But since, you, you, since the spirit of God now comes and dwells in your spirit, what God starts to do is that he takes his candle, which has light on it, 
and he lights up your candle, which is your spirit. Then meditation now will allow the power of God, which has now been deposited in your spirit, to flow into your soul because it opens up your soul to possibilities that normally you wouldn't take, to decisions that you didn't see before, to a way of reasoning. So meditation is the bridge for the virtue, the power of God to flow from your spirit into your soul. It breaks down the resistance of your soul. Because the way your soul thinks, your, 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 your default setting of your mind is logic and reasoning. And faith is, 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 is sometimes, if not most times, counterintuitive to logic and reasoning. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith makes faith. So meditation breaks the resistance of your soul that prevents faith from working. Your soul, by default, does not understand faith because your soul is engineered for logic and reasoning. So if something doesn't make sense to your mind, your mind will not open up the valve to let spirit matter flow through it. It will not. It will not. That's why two people can say the same scripture, by his stripes I am healed. One will be healed and another will not because one of them, it is no longer just information. It is now a revelation in their spirit and their mind has accepted it, that it is a real possibility that they can be healed by the power of God. So it starts to now flow into their flesh, into their body and healing starts to happen while another person it won't. Because their mind has just not opened up to the idea that divine healing is a real possibility and that it's a reality. Meditation. Meditation, meditation, meditation. I have doubled down ever since even I started uh, talking about muscle number three, which is meditation. It has almost re-fired me up to go deep into meditation once again. It's something that I, I I have seasons of doing and I kind of slip up a little bit, not too much, but I'm saying to the emphasis that I'm talking about is, is that I'm also reminded to double down on meditation and just saturating my, it no longer matters that, that you just know the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, no. You now need to have scriptures that you, you build a campsite around and you stay there and you camp there and you meditate and you think about that scripture for a week, for a month, for a couple of months, for a full year until it, like a seed. Do you know not all seeds that are planted take the same time for them to come out of the ground? That's the same thing with meditation. Some things that you put into your heart will take much longer for them to come out. 
but we don't give them enough time. We don't keep the word of God down in our spirit, man, long enough. We don't. We don't let the word of God go deep into our hearts long enough. We take it out before it's ready. Some seeds are going to stay underground for one year before they come out above the ground. Some others take three months. Some others take six weeks. The point is meditation allows, it should, it should be a process by which you give every seed, which is the word of God, a chance to, to be within the ground long enough such that the ground, which is your heart, will bring out the life of that seed and now bring back fruit in your life. That's what also scripture calls rivers of living water. I want to challenge you to go back to the basics. Take a scripture, man, and spend a week on it. Take the scripture that it is I that gives you power to make wealth or seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and meditate on that and say, Lord, how can I really seek you first? What does this mean? And let the scripture bath instructions on how you can do life every day. Because the more you meditate on that scripture, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The more you meditate upon it, it starts to birth a new way for you to see life, a new way for you to do things. That scripture never really used to make sense to me. But now it's almost that like everything that I do right now pivots around that scripture. Because now I've, after so much meditation saying, Lord, I ask you, please give me understanding of the scripture. Now I'm starting to see how I can actually apply it in my everyday walk. And I believe I'll be sharing testimonies just on the power of meditating on that scripture alone. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All the other things that everybody's looking for. Meditation, meditation, meditation. I hope this really encouraged you and challenged you to exercise muscle number three. I'm excited for the next muscle. See you in the next episode. Sela. This was episode 11 of the Christian Checklist series. We looked at muscle number three, meditation and the power of meditation. So why do we need to meditate on the Word of God? You see, meditation conceives the Word of God because it's intimacy with the Word of God. Meditation conceives revelation. Meditation turns the Word of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spiritual womb from which then rivers of living water are birthed. Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 perfectly illustrates the power of meditation. It reminds us that blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But this man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, or the word of God, does he meditate day and night. And then good things start to happen to this kind of person, because he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit 
brings forth his fruit in his season. It says his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. Many people are looking for ways to prosper in the affairs of life. And the key that unlocks it all is in meditation. But remember, not just any kind of meditation, but meditating in the Word of God day and night. In the next episode of the Seven Masters of Christianity, we'll dive into muscle number four, which is confession. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Let it flow.